Welcome to your ninth beer supervision, the podcast where we learn about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Jesse Richardson. Jesse, I'd like to know, and you know, I know this is a bit unusual, but I'd like to ask you, how are you doing today? Well, Aaron, that is a bit of an unusual question. You don't, yeah, you don't no, ask that I mean, one often. Look, I pride myself on it. I'm going to hit you with an unusual answer. Okay. Uh, I'm not doing too well, Aaron. <gasps> Jesse, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I, I hate to I hate to start the podcast off. Look at that happen sometime. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's I guess we can't always be good. Um, I've never, never really been one to air out my dirty laundry, Aaron. Um Oh, we get some. And and uh, oh. look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start today. Okay, um, all right, all right. In fact, me. no, no, I am, I am. Oh, Aaron, Jesse, please. Um, <laughs> is... I'm going through a bit of a breakup. Oh, Jesse, no. Yeah, that's so sad. Yeah. Um, are you okay? No, no, I'm not. I oh. uh, I, I formed this really um really good relationship. I thought um <laughs> with with uh, this this guy at work. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And I thought I thought we had a really great working relationship. Oh, really, sounds, really sounds great. like a good guy. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, started the podcast with him and everything. And, wow. Um, really? And well, uh, he left me. Yeah. He's, oh. oh no. He's left me. He, he no longer works uh, in the team. And um, I just yeah. I'm Look, sure, I'm sure he had some really really good reasons for wanting to um, leave the team. You know, probably very understandable, good, solid, happy reasons. I don't know, Aaron. I'm, I'm just not sure. I just, I just don't buy it. Was it something I said? <laughs> Look, I don't want to do this now, Jesse. <laughs> How about we tell them what, what the hell we're talking about? Yes, um, Aaron, you've got a new job. I have indeed. Yes. I have left good old Turalgan. Yeah, um, good old Gippsland, yes. um, and I've gone back down to Melbourne. Yeah, not just anywhere in Melbourne though, Aaron. Where have you gone? Gone to Fresh Brunswick. Fresh Brunswick. Yeah. Activate hipster, hipster Aaron. <laughs> Be with my people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, come down to. Uh, after COVID, it was good to come back down and be closer to friends and family and that. So I've gotten a new job down here, which is very yeah. exciting. Haven't started yet, but yeah. You're looking good. forward to it, though. I am indeed. Yes, yes, yes. very new, exciting. New horizons. Yes. yes. No, Aaron. Um, I guess despite being um being disappointed that you are no longer at Kim's mm. and um you know getting getting to see you see you uh, around the workplace most days, I am I'm very very happy for you for, for getting a new job. And um, oh, yeah, we're, we're here we're here in Brunswick Brunswick recording this today. And, yeah. Um, I must say I, I, I like the place you got here. Uh, it's pretty good. We did we did some op shopping before. Yeah, we did op shopping. Yeah. What a world. That's yeah yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be a whole new, whole new adventure. Whole new adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so, um, but uh, yeah, nothing with nothing with the podcast will be changing though. No, we're still uh, cranking them out every couple yeah. of weeks as as promised. As promised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this week we've got a uh, we've got a really special special guest coming on a relationships counselor. I thought um that'd be that'd be really good for us. What? <laughs> where, where is she? Is <laughs> I just signed up for this. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't have a relationships counselor coming on today. It's actually just you and I today, Aaron. Isn't oh, it? that's nice and intimate. Yeah, okay. yeah. We figured first first recording of twenty twenty. We may as well twenty twenty one. Yeah, first recording of twenty twenty one. We may as well um just just have that one as you and I. Um and. Uh, yeah, I think I think we got a pretty pretty decent episode lined up. Yeah, I'm very, uh, pretty keen to talk about this one. This is something that has been on my mind for a while. Um, we're talking about how the concept of risk and how um, mental health clinicians think about, or just like mental health workers in general think about risk when working with clients with mental illnesses and how that affects your work, how that plays into um, the mental health system in general and how it works and how mm. it thinks about how we work with the clients we work with. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, it's a really big part and maybe something that I wish, you know, another one of those things that, you know, you wish you kn- knew more about before getting into it because it's a whole, it's a whole thing that just hasn't really talked about. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, I'm really excited to talk a bit more about it. Yes. Well, look, Aaron, seeing as things are, are a bit unusual today, I mean, you kicked off with a really unusual question of asking me how I'm doing. Yeah. You, you don't do that often. No, no. I, I, re- I usually don't care how you're I'm doing. I'm wondering. Yeah. Do, do you want to keep, keep the unusual 
kind of vibe going for this podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Episode. Yeah, yeah, let's do something weird. How about you introduce the beer today, Aaron? Oh, Jesse, um, um, no. I'm, <laughs> this um, is outrageous. I'm letting you do it. This, this is, is not how the podcast um, works. Yeah, enjoy oh, this. A, enjoy okay, this opportunity. Okay. It's the first and only time I'm going to let you do this. Oh, um, it's, a, it's a privilege. Um, So we have the Tropical Pale Ale. Fresh, fruity, and crushable, whatever that means. Yes. Um, and it is from Thornbury, just down the road from where we are now. Yes, and who brews this one, Aaron? Um, it is... I don't know. Keep, keep spinning the can. Spin in the there can. There we go. There. New, new World? No, 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 not that one. There Melbourne it, there it is. You're, you're on the right path. Beer brewed by Three Ravens. There, there it is. There we go. Look, I'm learning. Yes. I haven't done this before. I don't yep. know how to review uh, a beer. First and only time. I've really screwed my yep. only opportunity. Yep. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I'm just looking at this can, though, Aaron. I look, at, I look at on the side. It says New World Pale Ale. Yeah. yeah. What on earth does that mean? I mean, it's not... I mean, you don't want old beer. That'd be gross. Jesse. Yeah. 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 Old world beer is was terrible. It's the worst. Uh. <laughs> this this can is just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. None of the words yes. mean anything, yeah. but I mean, I'm sure it might be good. Who knows? Oh, well. How about we crack it open? Yeah, it sounds Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we often talk about Aaron mm. on, on this podcast. Beers always taste better on a hot summer's day. Oh, yeah. And describe the weather to me today, Aaron. It is a hot summer's day. There we oh, go. man. It is yes. blistering. We've got the, the fan cranked. I don't know if you can hear it in the background. Hopefully not. <laughs> but um, it is it is quite hot. We've just been outside. And so this beer tastes about a thousand times better than it otherwise would. Yeah. So yeah. very happy. Very good. Mm. Right, yeah. Why don't we um, why don't we get into it, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, have, what have you got for us? All right. So I thought we'd start with um, I guess describing as like a baseline what we mean by risk. Like, what are the kinds of things that, like, the kinds of things that we work with, or kinds of behaviors we might see in our clients, or the kinds of concerns that we might have that we would put under the umbrella of risk. Um, what what kinds of things immediately kind of jump to your mind? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good one because I guess when we when we talk about risk, mm. the, the first thing I think that pops to my my mind and, and probably the mind of a, of a lot of our listeners is is just the the very obvious risk of risk of harm to self and risk of suicide. Yeah, but 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 we um we have to monitor for other other forms of risk as well in the work that we do, and so we're not just talking about risk of of harm to self. Um, mm. We've we've got also. Um, the risk of, of the people that we're working with causing harm to others. Yeah, um, yeah. We've also got the, I, I mean, Aaron, Aaron and I have a fair bit of experience working with, with children. And um, the risk of being exploited or, or abused by others is, is, I think, a really big one that we have to think about a yeah. lot with that population. And I mean, to be clear, it's not just exclusively a risk that young people experience, but mm. with young people, it is a significant one. So like that, that risk of being exploited or just being vulnerable in general yeah. or being in vulnerable situations can be young people, can be elderly people, can be just the average person just in a really difficult situation with um, people who aren't very safe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, these are things that we're, we're constantly having to think about every, every time that we are, we are talking with our clients. We have to be listening pretty carefully for, for things that might be, uh, you know, suggesting that, that there is a, an element of risk here that we do need to tread a bit more carefully around and maybe, uh, you know, es- escalate up, up um, yeah, maybe mm. maybe to the next level if it is uh, yeah. quite, quite significant. Yeah, so like other kinds of risks that come to mind like might also be um, risk, especially mental health risk of um, their mental state deteriorating. Yeah. So yep. uh, we're thinking about when we're seeing a client, is there a significant risk that maybe their mental health is going to de- decline quite mm. rapidly if some intervention isn't happening? So that's something else. Um, or um, things like risk of um, you know, inability to take care of themselves. That's yep. like a, a kind of vulnerability. Mm. Um, yeah, so you think about a whole bunch of things. And I guess what kind of ties it together is, I suppose, um, I don't know, like, what would you say is the thing that ties those kinds of things together? Like, what, what makes it risk as opposed to just general things that could happen to someone? Is it because, like, they're more, li- that those, some kind of negative thing is more likely to happen to that person because of 
factors that are that we've observed or yeah like i mean that's it's an interesting question there aaron um because i actually i i wouldn't i wouldn't separate the two of, yeah. of being like what what's the difference between risk and what's the difference between something that just happens to someone yeah i mean i think in in general like the the people that we work with um uh, there's always going to be an element of risk there mm. and uh, un- unfortunately the the universe um yeah, it has, has its own way of operating. And, um, and we, we, you know, we, we have no control over that. And sometimes the yeah. universe throws us a curveball. And um, just, just by, um, by that happening can, can really increase the risk for some people. There are, there's always going to be that element of risk of we, you know, we, we, can't, we can't control um, that, that, or that we can't control or factor in. And so I, I, don't, like, I don't necessarily like the idea of separating the two. Okay, Because yeah. I, th- I think if you take someone who is... Um, you know, in seemingly good mental um, health, mm. uh, and and throw them one hell of a curveball. Yeah, I mean, you risk you risk immediately skyrockets, right? Or, so or can th- can immediately skyrocket. Yeah, so I guess it's just considering what are th- what are the things going on for that person mm. that might mean that they're either going to become worse or their likelihood of doing something or something happening to them that's going to make them a lot worse or be yeah. a very negative event in their life yeah. is going to happen. And yeah. so you want to try and prevent that as much as you can. Or yeah. Try and, yeah. And, and so we do have those risk factors that we know are, are there um, and that we, that we can factor for and we can, we can say that, okay, uh, given what we know about this client um, and uh, you know, some of the things that are going on in their lives, if, if these factors start changing, if maybe we, um, if, if maybe there's an increase in, in stress in the family household or something like that, then that's going to increase the risk of, of maybe that vulnerability um, and, and abuse occurring. But, you know, then there's always uh, things that just can, can sometimes come out of the blue. Um, that if uh, you've got someone um, and you, you put them under the right level of, of stress and pressure, um, the, the risk, risk can escalate. So. Yeah. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think, and we'll, we'll get more into detail in terms of like what specific re- risks we look at and what kinds of the risk factors or things that um, we're looking at to try and assess whether someone is at risk or not and how effective that is. We'll get that. We'll get to that. Yeah. That's one of the topics we got going. Um, sorry, coming up. Um, but first, um. What like how do how do you feel like? Cause like I'm I've noticed when I was working when I started working in mental health that um in my mind going into it you know an element of it is obviously um managing like making like an element of it is um this person has come to your service because maybe something significant has happened and it, or something has their mental state isn't as good as it they'd like it to be and. You, we're hoping that our intervention will prevent it from being as bad as it could be or to manage it when it's getting to a crisis point mm. um, to try and prevent it from getting out of control or something like that. So that's an element of it. But also, of course, there's an element of it, which is that kind of long-term, like in mental health, there's long-term therapy where you're trying to overall, over a long period of time, improve someone's general capacity to manage their own mental health and improve yeah. their mental state um, as well. Um in my mind, I suppose the driving factor of when, like before I even got into it, the driving factor of working mental health would be the therapeutic side. Primarily, you're working on just long term, yeah, cr- cr- you know, improving someone's mental health, and sometimes you know things will happen, and you'll need to manage that crisis or manage that risk. But primarily, what you're doing is. Um, the the kind of the whole thing is working around doing therapy or yeah. that kind of thing. So you you put your rose colored glasses on. Of, of this, this is how <laughs> this is how I'm going to practice therapy. This <laughs> yeah. is how I'm going to you know practice psychology, and uh, it's going to be nice nice long term, uh, very straightforward intervention. So I might deal with a little bit of risk here and there, and then and then we are on your way. And, all, and all uh, if, if you haven't picked up on Jesse's incredibly sarcastic tone, uh, that's off, uh, what I've learned is that often that's not the case, and it's it feels like sometimes when I'm working in mental health, that the the risk that a person presents is the driving factor in terms of how engagement happens. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a good point you raised there, Aaron, but I, I think it's also worthwhile, um, you know, really highlighting uh, again to, to maybe to some of our listeners who are, who are maybe a, a bit new mm. or um, who, who have, have maybe... 
Ah, for forgotten what what area of work uh, we we have yeah, we, we have yeah. been doing mm. um, in the past, Aaron. You know, we we work in acute acute mm. mental health, and yep. so um, the the sort of work that you've you've done for the last two years mm. since since you finished your um, your social work degree yeah. has has been in in the the pointier end of the mental health spectrum, and yeah. so um, you do tend to get a lot more of. Um, of 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 the the risk management yeah. where where you're coming in and and you know, every week every every couple of weeks there's, there's a new crisis and yeah, you, you've yeah. got to manage a new form of mm. risk and, and it can sometimes feel like you, if you do get the chance to start that that more longer term therapeutic intervention um, that um, that that's it seems like it's interrupted a fair bit by risk and crises and, and all of these things that pop up does that yeah that about right yeah i think that's right mm. i guess like yeah and, and you're absolutely right um but like i think my like the the thing that maybe i was i'm like trying to maybe get at is like how it's maybe like the the framework the way we think about well i is are we doing are, are we um being a good case manager for this client mm. is based on well are there is the is the risk being managed well and ra- i guess rather than i mean not rather no, rather is wrong most of what i'm really thinking is i think there's like a way in which our management of risk is kind of like intrinsically part of becomes part of our therapeutic practice yeah yeah. yeah, like they're not. It's hard to separate the two, or maybe we shouldn't separate the two. I don't know, but it, it's an important part of therapy practice that I didn't realize would be so important. Like yeah. that, it's and like it's a whether it should or shouldn't be the case. It's just there. It's like something you're yeah. always thinking about. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, questions, questions that you always you know you have to have to um, rep- repeatedly ask ask clients. Um, mm. You know, every, every session, how how are things going for you on uh, with uh, with your um, yeah, you know, self harm. Um, yeah, you know, have you been having any thoughts of suicide? These are you know, mm, some yeah. these questions that we um, you know, with with particular clients um, have to ask every week uh, that we see them. Every time that we see them, mm, yeah, you know, you you can get a bit of a gauge from from clients when you know you spend a long time with them of when they are tracking well and when they aren't tracking well. Um, and so you know, maybe maybe you don't have to um, you know, check in as as much. If they are tracking really well, mm. um, or it's not something you have to be, you know, it has to be at the forefront of your attention. But there's definitely clients out there where it's like that is the forefront of your attention all, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I guess, so in what in what ways do you does um, working with risk integrate into like the therapy kind of work that you do? Like in how in what ways are you thinking about it? So obviously you mentioned that. It's maybe for a lot of clients, it's the first thing, one of the first things you ask them just to like get a sense of where they're at at the moment. I'm um, just so you're kind of making sure that they're not at high risk. Is that the case? Um, it tends to not really be, um, I guess the first, the first thing I'll be, I'll be asking um, mm. as, as I go into a session. Cause I guess <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting. I always look over my case, like as, you know, as to be mm. expected, I look over my case notes before I yeah. go and see a client again. And, yeah. uh, and I, I have this nice like plan, this section where it says plan right. of what to do in the next session. Yeah, yeah. And then I look over that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jesse, past Jesse. That's, that's a good plan. Let's go do that. <laughs> and then you go into the session and, and that, that doesn't happen because yeah, okay. some, something, something comes up. Mm. Um, usually, um, I, I'll I'll go in I guess with um to each session a bit a bit fresh around um when when I when I ask about risk um and so depending on how the review between sessions goes might mm. might impact on how um you know when when I'm asking about risk so yeah. if I have a um I have a client who but between sessions has had a a really really tough week. And maybe they're um, they're they're a bit more depressed than usual, or something. Something has happened in the week that has been particularly stressful. Mm. I might then use that as a good way to 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 lead, lead into. Well, you know, um, I can appreciate that if you, um, you know, that going through that situation um, might might have resulted in you having more thoughts of suicide than usual. Mm. You, you know, um, might have engaged in more self harm than um, than you usually do. Is 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 that the case? Can you? Can you tell me about that? And so I think, um, you know, as, as with, as with um, I guess, all sessions, going in and, and letting, 
not not being not trying to go in with a complete hard and fast plan about when you're going to ask about risk but letting letting mm. the 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 feel and the, the nature of that session kind of dictate that okay yeah yeah right okay cool mm. um, yeah. well look I'll, I'll throw it back at you Aaron has, yeah. has that been has that been the case for you because you know you, you and I sit, um, do do similar similar sort of work we used to before you left me <laughs> no, just yeah. please. I'm gonna drop that. I'm, no. gonna, I'm gonna play this one so hard for for the remainder of the session. I feel so bad. And, you know, I might even throw it into other sessions as well. This is gonna be. I'm going to air dirty laundry, Aaron. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh uh, no. Okay. Well, yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll survive. <laughs> Sorry. What was the question you were asking me? Um, so I, I guess I spoke about what um what my experience with um asking asking about risk has been um with with some of the clients that I've worked with, um and I wanted to get a sense from you if if that was, if you'd had a similar experience. Yeah, like I, I think I find it like I find it dif- like I think um obviously it's like understanding what level of um what um how i guess getting a sense of where that person's mental state is whether they're at a, a point where they might go into some be at risk of some going to some kind of crisis or something like that so that you can put in appropriate supports to try and prevent that or um or if they have recently been in some kind of acute crisis to make sure that they're getting to the support they need and things like that. So getting a sense of where they're at is important. Um, but I, I feel like sometimes like that I also want to make sure that I'm not making that the emphasis of the time that we have there, because then that becomes their, like that the risk is that maybe that becomes their mindset too, mm. that the time like that our work is just, dealing with risk and trying to feel better and getting trying to push away all the risk rather than doing the um i guess the broader stuff because like just focusing on being less suicidal or just focusing on just self um, self-harming less isn't really addressing what's causing those things or like isn't I don't know. It feels like it's not really moving forward. It's just yeah. dealing with the here and now, which is fine. Like dealing mm. with the here and now is important. Um, but maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just my personality. But I just feel like I want to push back on overly focusing on it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, th- I think. Yeah, I, I, and, uh, yeah. And I guess the reason why it comes up for me one is because maybe just my previous work hasn't dealt with a lot of risk, and so it's mm. a different thing for me to, to kind of wrap my head around. Um, and maybe it's something to do with just I don't know maybe being a social worker and not and that kind of that kind of um, way of working rubbing me the wrong way maybe I don't know yeah maybe I mean my I guess uh, what I'm what I'm wondering is if the session was all focused on risk yeah and you were like you know repeatedly you were finding that your sessions were very much like you know, where's, where's your level at risk at in relation to self-harm or suicide? What do you think would be the problem with that? Like, why why would that mm. be? Well, yeah. Mm. I, I, I guess I feel like that's not... Um, I mean, like, it's like... I feel like it's, it's one, it's something that's... It's like risk in isolation is very difficult i feel like to accurately predict mm. or assess or control yeah um and so it's worth having the conversation and putting things in place where you can but it's ultimately just talking about risk in isolation and working on risk in isolation is probably not super effective uh, like it's not like it's it's like in terms of like a person's whole well-being it's like like the risk that someone displays to me is uh, an outcome of lots and lots of different factors yeah. and lots of things in a person's life, and and to just focus on that, like the like I guess essentially the symptom, mm. um, I know feel, feels like it's not moving them forward in a in a direction, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess Aaron, it sounds like um, you know from from what you were just saying there that. 
you know, if you were to hone in, you know, week week on week, really hard on the risk for for say a fifty minute session each mm. each time that. Um, the work that you would be doing doing in there is is often, um, you know, kind of like undermined or, or undervalued by the fact that at any time after that session ends and between sessions, just something could pop up that completely throws that out. Yeah, like the, any risk assessment you do is only like as accurate as the moment that you're doing the assessment. Yeah. As soon as the assessment is done, anything can change. Um, I mean, that person just has free will to do what they want. They may not be entirely honest with you or, um, yeah, like you said, anything can change in the time after you do the assessment. So mm-hmm. it's good at getting a snapshot potentially of where they're at, like into a risk assessment, but I don't see it as necessarily like a good way of predicting future risk per se. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it can like, you know, dealing with it in the immediate here and now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thumbs up. But um, yeah, something, something can, uh, can happen, can come up. And um, yeah, as, as we were talking about the, before the universe and the curveballs, yeah. Um, can, can throw it all into, into complete disarray. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is like, kind of like when I, I guess thinking about um, how, I guess our mental health system works in general, if someone is at high risk, um, I suppose the, the priority in my mind, um, especially with things like, let's say the mental health, uh, with the mental health and like things like assessment orders and considering whether someone needs to be put on a treatment order and things like that. seems like, I mean, look, this is just my perception, um, having worked in it for a very short period of time, um, is that the focus is... Um, on how do we manage the risk that person might pose to themselves or to others? Um, I mean, certainly, um, or like, I mean, certainly, the language that is in the that's used for the uh, for an assessment order, you know, is, is someone going to be a risk to themselves, like an imminent risk to themselves or others? Okay, then we need to, um, you know, take take away their their rights for a period of time so we can put them into treatment um, or to put them in a place where they can't hurt themselves or others. Um, a lot of like the, especially in the, like, the acute end, I suppose um, a lot of it feels like it's about risk management. Um, and I suppose that, but there's also like a balance they need to have. Right. So, I mean, if there's risk, risk managing risk is important to some extent, but you need, I guess what is going to be, and that's important. That's in terms of like, the benefit to the community, if you're thinking mm. about like a risk to others. Yes. But what about the, the benefit to that person in terms yeah. of therapeutic benefit? What's yeah. going to be beneficial to so them? So simply, um, it sounds like what you're saying is, and, and I, I think I would agree with you, um, is that simply managing risk is, isn't is going to solve the, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we you need to throw in the um, the therapeutic interventions. You need to make the changes in, the um, in you know, the system around the person in order for um, for them to... to you know, get better. Yeah. And like, and like, it's like, I mean, like, I think a, a good example is, um, I think, like, I think very, like a very, this isn't the only example, but this, I think is a very like clear example that I, I've, I've seen a lot is that, um, for people with, um, borderline personality disorder, um, we know that, um, going into an inpatient unit to manage their risk when they're feeling suicidal overall, um, their their risk is going to increase every time that they have to go into inpatient. It may contain them for the period of time in which they're in a crisis and they're feeling suicidal. Because if, if, if listeners aren't aware, um, people with um, borderline personality um, have um, can have difficulty with emotional regulation. And so they can go into a crisis in which they feel suicidal and need something to contain them. Um, and so, but we know that Putting, um, sending them to an inpatient unit is going to make their overall risk over time statistically higher. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you put them in to manage the risk in a short term or do you send them to the community, be managed in a less intense contained environment, but overall it's going to be more therapeutically beneficial for them. 
Mm. Um, and the instinct for a lot of people in that kind of crisis situation is just put them in somewhere safe, manage the risk, yeah. therapeutic benefit can wait. Yeah. Um, so I guess a, good, a, a big part um, that contributes to the effectiveness of, of risk, risk management then is an, an overall reduction of risk long term is, is how, do we, how do we effectively navigate a crisis? Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, that is difficult. Um, oh, yeah. because I, because <laughs> by, I, no, yeah. by no means yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to answer that question in this yeah. podcast. Um, but certainly, you know, a system is built to deal with um, people going into crisis, containing the risk, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it has a lot harder of it, of a, a much bigger challenge. That's certainly something that comes, comes has come out of the Royal um, Royal Commission. Much yeah. harder of a challenge dealing with that in between space where someone isn't in a crisis but needs that intense needs some level of risk management support um, and ongoing therapy. They're not quite a low acuity enough that um, primary mental health can really deal with it. Yeah. And so they kind of bounce yeah. between crisis and stability. Mm. Mm. Um, so that is a big challenge. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, their primary uh, primary mental health and um, I guess the the risk that is, is dealt with there um, obviously differs a bit from, you know, more acute tertiary level mental health. Mm. The, the role that you've, um, you've, you, you're about to start, Aaron, is, is that in, in acute mental health or is that, no, will, will it, you be dealing with like risk at, at yeah, all? In that yeah, yeah, it will be. So it'll be somewhere in between. So the role itself, um, is, um, kind of trying to be that in between role between primary, primary and tertiary mental health. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it's, um, kind of developing as we go. So we'll see oh, how it goes. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So you might, you might find that, um, I guess working through that. In fact, I, I don't think there'd be any sort of might about it. I, you, you know, I reckon you will find uh, you'll you'll learn a, a few different things about about risk in in that area. Going from I guess acute acute mm. mental health to to maybe somewhere a little bit more in between. Yeah, uh, I yeah. can imagine it'd be quite a different uh, experience for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited about yeah thinking about ways that we can do mental health that's a bit different to how we do it now mm. um, should be good. Um, yeah, because I think it's something we discussed um, in the a previous podcast with Chris yep. about yeah about risk and um, how the mental health system is kind of geared a bit around that. Um, yeah, so I know something that, um, oh, something that you... Actually, before we go into that, how are you going with the beer? How are you feeling about it? I'm not. I'm not sure at the moment. Yeah, look, um, it's it's a hot day. <laughs> um, Is that the best you can say? <laughs> the, um, this. What I like to say about this beer at is. It's a hot day. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, look, it, it's it's not it's not uh, it's not not a ter- terrible beer. It's not not a bad beer. It's um. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a beer. It is a beer. Yeah. You're not kidding. you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. It is a beer. Yeah, and I, I wonder if like um also I, I, I can feel my beer warming up with each sip. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it is <laughs> because it is it is quite warm up here. Um, and um yeah, maybe that is detracting a bit from it. But um I'm I'm still just stuck at what on earth makes it a new world beer and if this is the new world I don't um, do it, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> do I want to venture into it? Oh um, no! <laughs> is this what 2021 is? <laughs> Come on, 2020! Didn't you mess with us enough? Give just, us a break. <laughs> 2021, a fine, maybe good enough beer if it's a really hot day. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> uh. We're gonna have to conduct risk assessments on each other soon, Aaron. Gosh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we, need to, we need to wrap this thing up now. Yeah. But <laughs> before we do, before we melt, um, I know something that you wanted to talk about is. Um, so we talked a bit about acute, but there is like a um, you've noticed a big dream because you both work both in acute mental health and um, private mental yeah. health, which is a, a f- like more like primary mental health. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so like by primary mental health, we mean um, like high prevalence mental illnesses generally mm. or like family therapy or things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, tell us about that. Like how does, how does that differ? How, what's your different experience working in um, primary mental health and tertiary mental health? 
Yeah, that's that's a good question because there there is quite a stark a stark contrast. Mm. Um, and you know, when when you're working in acute, as we as we've spoken about, the the risk is it's almost like it's 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 ever present. Mm. And I mean, it it is as we mentioned. Um, you know, with certain populations, it, it always will be, but um, it's it's magnified significantly in acute mental health versus private practice. Okay. Um, you know, I've noticed at least, you know, <laughs> we spoke about being able to do more long-term therapeutic work that's not interrupted mm. by um, crises and risk um, on a regular basis. That tends to, I guess, be, that's that's been my experience a bit more with with um, private practice over over public mental health, mm. um, you still have to monitor for risk. Uh, I, I don't think you're doing your you wouldn't be doing your due diligence if you didn't, um, okay. because because at the end of the day, you you still are um, in in some cases the primary person monitoring this this uh, this individual's mental health. So you might you might be the only person they're seeing. Yeah. Um, like I mean, sure you they're, they're seeing their GP as well, but they might not be seeing their GP as regularly as they're seeing you. And you know you're the person that they're seeing for their mental health, and so you still have to monitor for that. But you tend to I, I tend to find that uh, the the people that um, I have um, on my private caseload tend to be a little bit more stable in the risk department over over longer periods of time than mm. than in the acute mental mental health setting yeah and and i mean the the best example i can give of that is the clients that you know when when i when i have trouble sleeping at night sometimes are on my mind Mm. aren't my private clients yeah right yeah yeah okay Yeah. yeah like your private clients tend to be a bit more like in terms of like general mental state tend to be more stable yeah yeah like you know i can i can i can finish up a session with them and know that you know over the two weeks or or even sometimes like a month between sessions sometimes even longer that with a with a nice degree of confidence that things are going to be okay for this person yeah um in in terms of risk now obviously there's always going to be no matter which setting you're in those factors that you cannot account for where something happens and um, and and risk just skyrockets. Okay, yeah. Um, and and I tend to find there's 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 often a sense of security. Well, I guess it's been my experience that there's a bit more security in in private practice in knowing that I guess when that risk does escalate, the the clients end up f- finding their way to the services that can handle the more acute hmm. risk. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, um, working working in a rural community, you often get a bit of overlap between. So, yeah. I, I'll have some clients who, um, you know, maybe I, I work I work with in private and then um, every now and then might pop up in the acute, hmm. acute setting. Um, and I think with private, you can feel a little bit more comfortable and, and confident knowing that they will end up being serviced by, like, you know, effectively within the acute team if, hmm. if it is required. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. And I, I feel like I should backtrack a little bit. Um, it's not that none of, like, no, it's not that all of the, the clients that I, I think about outside of work are, are my acute clients. Um, it just tends to be more so the acute clients than, yeah, than my I mean, private Yeah, I can understand that. So it's like, I think for me with clients that, tend to pop in my head when I'm not supposed to be, I'm not paid to be thinking about them, <laughs> tends to be clients where I'm like, this is a, a, either like a complex thing in which I don't know how to figure out. And mm. I'm just, I just, I just can't get the thing out of my head. I'm just like, I need to know how, what I'm going to do here. Or it's one where there's some inherent unpredictability to it. Yeah. And so you just can't feel settled because you don't know what will yeah. happen. And they're, yeah. the one, they're the ones where you've, um, you, you know, I guess you, in, in the session that you have with them, you, you manage the risk in that moment mm. and it might have been a little bit more pointier than usual yeah and you you leave that session you're like i their risk is contained for the time being mm. but what if yeah yeah is i mean there's all i mean there's always that like mm. no matter what it's that person has control over their life you don't like so like i'm like well, something we, did, we i didn't mention um before that i said we we're going to talk about is like so the ways in which we do try and assess risk 
um, is we go over a bunch of like different factors that would line up with um, that that I guess statistically research has shown that these things um, if this person has these factors then they're more likely to have this particular risk. Mm. Um, so, for example, like a very prominent one is if someone has had suicide attempts in the past, yep. their likelihood of having a suicide attempt in the future is much higher than the average population. Mm. Um, so yeah. that's like a significant risk factor. We see that in someone's history. We're like, okay, we need to be particularly vig- vigilant about this person, yeah. um, that their risk might be higher, or if they have family who are suicided and things like that. So yeah. that's, like, those are the kinds of things we're thinking about. Yeah. Or even more general, like people of a certain age yeah. um, are more likely to be at risk mm. of um, suicide or self-harm or general vulnerability or people of, of even genders. Like men are much more likely to um, compl- um, suicide than um, women are yeah. yeah and i guess it's those um you know sif- sifting between and and weighing up those static versus dynamic risk factors um and so what we talk about i guess when we talk about static and dynamic risk factors is you, you've got those static factors such as being male mm. um or um such as being a certain age um and you know those past past suicide attempts that are that are fixed you, you can't change that um or like you know age i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. that that does change but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It would be, I guess, a slow dynamic factor, <laughs> and then, um, and then, and then you've got the more dynamic ones, like you know, those things that we can't factor in, that, that maybe we can't control for, or that, um, that, um, well, not necessarily can't control, but dude, they wax and wane over time. Yeah, um, they're they're not as they're not right. as fixed, like like yeah. family dynamics, yeah. or um, maybe uh, something like I mean, some of the dynamic factors are also predictable. Like for yeah. example. Um, there's a difficult time in a person's life, like the the anniversary of a, a person who's passed away or something yeah. like that. So that's a dynamic factor yeah. that you can predict mm. um, and so you can plan for. Yeah, well. yeah. And yep. so I guess, um, you know, if, if you've got a client with um, a lot of high static risk factors, then they're the ones I think where you're, you're then like, okay, well, from a, when, when the dynamic starts coming in, the, those dynamic risk factors, you, you tend to, you, you, f- you feel it a bit more. Mm. You, um, you, you think about it more. Yeah, outside of sessions because they're the ones where, you know, if something does come come up because of the high static risk factors, you you then you then think, okay, well, they're at a greater risk of something happening. Yeah, um, that that might not be um be good for them. Yeah, and and of course, um, in talking about mental health, um, someone having a mental illness, major mental illness, or otherwise, or um, just having even like having to deal with maybe like difficulties with family, with mental illness, all those kinds of things in- inherently will, well, statistically increases the risk of um, things like harm to self or um, to some extent others or to mm. um, self-neglect and things like that. So yeah. inherently, like when we work with people with mental health, the that risk that they're always going to have at least one risk yeah. factor because yeah. th- that's just the population we're working with. Mm. Having a mental illness has significant impacts on a person's life. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, now I guess, Aaron, I'm, I'm mindful of the time. Yeah. Um, and I guess you and I agreed we'd, we'd probably keep this session a bit shorter. Yeah. Uh, yeah this time yeah. around. Um, yeah, we've, we've had a lot of like really like huge marathon podcasts yeah, recently. It's, we're like the heavy ones. Man, yeah. it was so good, but man, they it's, were intense. And that's it. It's so tough because we, we I, th- I think um, we, we have been so fortunate to have some really yeah. such fascinating and, and interesting guests um, that, you know, I, I reckon we, we could have easily spoken with them longer than the episodes were. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. um, but, you know, I guess um, for, for our listeners, we, we don't want to over, overdo it. So we, we figured we'd keep this one a little bit shorter. But I, have, I guess I have one one question I, I wanted to ask you, Aaron. Mm. I know, look, I'm, I'm probably going to be um, kind of just kind of springing this one on you. Um, oh, Jesse, and, and I'm sorry for that. But, oh, okay. Um, and, and look, if you need a little bit of time to, to figure this the answer to this one out, <laughs> then... then t- by all means, <laughs> take it. Genuinely afraid. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I'll be, uh, having having worked in acute <laughs> mental health for the last couple of years, yeah. What is what has been something that maybe has um, has helped you uh, with with working with risk? Um, yeah, maybe for our listeners out there who are mm, who yeah, okay. aren't, aren't yet at that stage where they're they're working in mental health and and these are things that they're worrying about or that that they're they're maybe a little bit unsure about. Mm, um, that's a good question. Yeah. Definitely, definitely 
asking lots of questions mm-hmm. and relying heavily on experienced people in your team. Yeah. Um, not being afraid to be like, I'm not really sure about this. Don't just go go through with it and figure it out as you go. Ask someone, talk it through, figure it out, nut it out with someone. Because this stuff is just, it's just very complex. Yeah. And there's just, there's so much gray and so much you just can't know. Yeah. Um, Because you just can't predict human behavior. That's just not an ability you have, Mm -hmm. no matter how good you are as a mental health clinician. Um, And so having discussions with people, um, make check, double checking. I think I'm pretty sure this is what I should be doing and this is the correct thing, but can you just like, you know, is this sound about right to you? Yeah. And then they're like, yeah. And someone's like, yeah, that sounds right. I was like, awesome. Good. Yeah. Like, like just ma- just not not having that burden on your shoulders and realizing that you're not expected to be the be all and end all of figuring out what someone is or isn't yeah. going to do, what their risk might be. And just, you know, it, that being part of a team is important and that's why your team is there. Yeah. So yeah. take it to peer supervision. <laughs> take it to yeah. peer supervision. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah yeah and no absolutely no but that, that's absolutely right definitely yeah. talking about it in supervision has helped it yeah immensely as well yeah. yeah and i think um one thing i just want to add on on to the end of that um for, for any any of our listeners out there who you know maybe maybe are still studying mental health and, and maybe they're going through through placements um in in mental health settings i'd really encourage you to um to have a, have a crack at doing doing risk assessments if if the placement will allow mm. you to do it. I, one one thing I I tend to do with when when we get um yeah maybe um students from say uh yeah social work nursing and any sort of background in who are, who are maybe a bit fresh and not 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 as confident with that. I really encourage them to to give it a crack if there's ever going to be a time mm. to have a crack at at learning skills and and you know risk assessment is a skill um doing so in your placement. Mm. Yeah, cuz it's really like even though like whatever organization you have will probably give you like some sheet with like a checkbox or whatever, yeah. it really is more of an art than a science in a way. It's something yeah. you get a feel for when you speak to someone mm. and understand them. It's like, oh this is something I've seen before. This yeah seem like like that this seems like maybe something more here i need to push a bit further mm. and you use those kind of forms as a guide but really yeah it's some, something you build over time yeah mm. yeah and i've tend to find um i have tend to find in um in the sessions that i've had with with clients um and where, I, where i've brought a student in mm. um they have been more than more than accommodating to having students work on on these sorts of things, I guess, but particularly with maybe some of the more lower, lower risk clients mm. really get in there and, and, and give it a crack. Um, you, you're better off working through these things on a placement than if you are, you know, you, you start your job and, and you just, you're diving in then Yeah. once, once you've finished up. Um, but I suspect you wouldn't, I guess, make it to um, graduating from a mental health sort of degree if you didn't, if you didn't have competencies in risk assessment either. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe, well, I, maybe I, mean, I just uh, made everything I said there a bit redundant. No, no, but, I, don't um, think, no I don't think it's right. I think yeah. there's a lot about risk that I definitely had no understanding of yeah. after finishing a social work degree. Yeah. Um, I had to learn on the job. So yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's Actively advice. seek it out on your placement, guys. Good, good, good. Yes. Okay. How about we get to a very exciting part of the podcast? Well, maybe less yes. exciting considering how down we've been on the on the view already, but let's get yes. to it anyway. Yes. Okay. It is <laughs> it is quite warm. I, I don't think I've sweated more in a podcast than than I have in this episode. <laughs> it's a lot of podcast uh, sweat. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, All right. Cool. All right. So we're back to um, the Tropical Pale Ale um, from Three Ravens, made in Thornbury. Um all right, give us your opinion, Jesse. What? How did you feel about this tropical pale ale? Tropical pale ale is not something I'd usually drink anyway, but I thought tropical sounds good for a hot day. No? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I like, I was I was very happy with your logic around that one, Aaron. Okay. okay. Tropical, hot day. Yeah, yeah it works. Um, for this beer, <laughs> uh it didn't work as much as I was hoping it would. Um, so, Dang. while while I guess it, it was a hot day, so I, I am very appreciative of the fact of the fact that I'm, I I I drank this beer. Mm. Um, 
it it's probably not the the best beer I've ever had. Um, and I would probably give this one about a, a two point. I'm going to go two point four. Two point four. Yeah. Okay, just below average. Yes, just below average. So okay. it's not terrible. It's yeah, not yeah. the worst beer I've ever had. Yeah. Um, it, it could even well be that because it's a hot day. Um, I set myself up for thinking that this beer was going to blow me away because it's a hot day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, look, I don't like this beer at all. <laughs> it's not very good. I mean, it's, 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 I'm probably not going to finish this can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I'm just going to, this is, this is the truth. Yeah. I'm giving you the truth to the yeah. people. Yeah, that's it. The people want the truth, Aaron. The people want the truth, yeah. and the truth is that because it's a hot day, I'll probably give this like a a two. But like, if it wasn't a hot day, it'd probably be like a one <laughs> or a one point five. <laughs> Whoa! Is that the lowest rating you've oh, given so far on Division? Wow, eh? Yeah, it's just it just would not just didn't do it. I'm looking at your face now, Aaron, and. For those of you at mm, home uh, mm. listening to this, um, if I could describe how Aaron looks, I'd, I'd use the word broken. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting across from a broken man. Yeah, in Brunswick on a hot day with a cold beer and it just hasn't delivered. Yeah. One which, which, considering Aaron just broke up with me, uh, seeing that he's in this much pain and discomfort, I'm, I'm actually pretty pleased with that. So... Um, <laughs> 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 no, no, not at all. It hurts. It hurts me to see you um, in this much pain, Aaron. And um, you just, you just let me know if I can help. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, maybe, maybe pick me a nice beer next week. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, did we, it was you who picked this beer, wasn't it? It is true. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm like, sure I did. And, and every episode prior to this one, I think I picked the beer, didn't I? Okay. All right, shut up. And <laughs> That's enough. Every episode That's enough prior to I don't this like one, where this conversation is going. I introduced the beer. Um, Get out of here. Maybe Get we will we will revert back to normal next uh, next episode. I will be feeling good. Um, <laughs> Aaron will not introduce the beer, and the balance to the universe will be restored. Good, excellent. Well, on that beautiful oh. note, um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Yes. Um, appreciate all your support, all your reviews on the podca- on Apple Podcasts mm. mean a lot. Um, yeah, um, hope you enjoyed this one. And yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for a brand new one, which is very exciting. Yes, yes, we will. Thank cool. you, Aaron. Cool. Cheers. All right, bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. We record every two weeks, often with guests from the mental health field. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Beer Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time. <laughs>